0: Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on not just getting over your ex, but into yourself. I'm Claire, the Heartbreak Coach. Let's make what feels impossible, possible. Hey, loves. I am so excited for this episode. I have my longest standing client, Her name is Rachel Cole, and she has been with me for over two years. She came to me in April 2017. So we have lots to dish on on her experience of working with me and putting up with me and laughing with me and crying with me and growing with me and wanting to fight me, all the things which we're totally going to get into. And she has just can continued to elevate herself and grow and grow and grow. And she continues to blow her own mind. She continues to blow my mind. And I really wanted to bring her on so that you guys could get a better understanding of what it is like to work with me. I think coaching is such a unique approach to personal development and there are just so many healing modalities out there and I think a lot of people get confused about the difference between life coaching and therapy which I will be getting into more in depth with my own therapist uh, Ashley Graber who I've referenced for every episode she'll be coming on and we'll dive into that but I really just want to talk to Rachel about her own personal experience and you know Rachel's experience is going to be very different from other clients experiences but I was bringing her on because not only is Rachel Rachel, a very accomplished lawyer in D.C., her work with me, not that I'm saying it's about me, but the the work that she has done with me through coaching has inspired her to actually go get her own life coaching certification, which just makes me feel like a very proud mama over here uh, because all of the benefits that she has received from this work has inspired her to want to spread the word about this kind of work. So, before she officially says hello, I have to tell you guys how Rachel and I connected. It actually goes back to 1994, 95, where we went to Sleepaway Camp in Litchfield, Connecticut. Camp Juan Posset. Hala. What dorks were we that we went to a camp called Camp One Posset? But we went with my next door neighbor, Frederica Wilgren. Hala. The geeka, I call her the three of us were thick as thieves and then obviously we didn't have social media or any of that and definitely lost touch over the years. Lo and behold, Rachel reached out to me over two years ago, April 2017. I had no idea that she was even paying attention to my videos or anything like that. For any of you new coaches out there who are thinking you're putting out your message and nobody is picking up what you're throwing down, people are listening and paying attention and everybody processes information differently. I mean, now I'm just really working through forgiving Rachel and not giving me any likes, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm almost there. So without further ado, Rachel Cole, welcome.
1: Hi, it's so good to be here. How are you?
0: I'm so good. I'm so excited. Do you feel weird being on this podcast that you've been listening to? I make all my clients listen to me. I'm kidding. I, I don't. But she no, listens. I'm totally
1: honored. It's so fun. It's so fun to be here. And yeah, it's actually my first ever podcast appearance. So I feel very excited.
0: Is it an appearance? What would we call it? <laughs> I don't know. Like and I'm, and, I'm and adherence, get it? Like you get to hear? That's terrible. But I tried. Oh, it's good. I laughed. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> now you are you see the reason why i keep rachel around is because she entertains my dorky humor which is really a requirement when it comes to working with me so let's dive right into it tell everybody why you were intrigued to try this coaching thing out
1: yeah i guess you know being a uh, jewish girl that grew up on the upper east side i was exposed to therapy at a young age
0: upper east uh, side of manhattan right
1: Yes, I'm sorry, the city, the city, Um, and I know, LA, I get it, Um, so I had been in therapy on and off, really not regularly, but at different points in my young adult and adult life, and then was really going through a tough breakup in 2017, and I was in therapy on and off at the time, and just sort of felt like... I wasn't feeling any better. Like I would sit in therapy and my therapist would be very um, supportive on my side and it felt very comfortable in the moment, but then I would walk out and sort of walk right back into my life. And so I wanted something different. I didn't know what I would, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I saw you on social media talking about feeling better right now. And that was so appealing to me. And I just felt like I had to know more
0: feeling better right now, which is yes, 100%. This coaching work is so much about figuring out how to feel better in the present. That said, I'm a strong believer that therapy, if there's unhealed trauma, unhealed wounds, there are certain things that are definitely out of my wheelhouse that I don't claim to be able to heal like any kind of unhealed trauma or addiction or mental illness or any of those things. But obviously, as a heartbreak coach I definitely know what to do and know a thing or two about so could you give a little bit more of uh, more specifics on the breakup and kind of how there were a lot of similarities from my breakup to your breakup and that whole situation and how the coaching really was different for you than for therapy
1: totally so that breakup I was 35 at the time and I've been dating and in uh, serious relationships you know on and off but since high school and so at 35 I would truly say that was the first time in my life that I'd been dumped by somebody that I was dating and
0: that's Rachel uh, super hot and a big catch <laughs>
1: I just felt like, you know, certainly I've had the experience of liking somebody or wanting to date somebody and not having those feelings reciprocated. But this was the first time that I was in a very serious relationship where I was very surprised that the person that I was with just decided he was done and he left. And and it wasn't sudden in the sense that there had been some conflict in the relationship before the final break. But the similarity is that really, I think, you know, bonded us in our coach client relationship was that when that relationship ended, it ended after a series of breaks and then he would sort of pull me back in or it felt to me at the time like he was pulling me back in. I have
0: to stop her because she knows already to catch her thoughts, right? When I love that she's laughing about it now, but I just have to stop because look at her catching herself, right? Like, w- w- it's so automatic to say, he did this to me. He misled me. He did all these things, and um, it can feel very real and very, very painful. Um, but this work is about shifting the story. So just, I had to interrupt. Sorry, Rach, but just no, to uh... really see how she caught herself there in the story because we've really done a lot of work around that. She's done a lot of work around that to really catch how she wants to tell the story and her role in it. And when we say he, you know, kept sucking me back in, pulling me back, all the things, it's like as if we're believing that we're powerless, right? So I love that. I'm so proud. Keep going.
1: (laughs) Totally. And I felt so powerless at the time because here I was this person that had never had the experience really of somebody that I was again, like in a long ish term. I mean, I think we had been dating six or seven months by the time. We broke up a long-ish-term relationship where the person just decided it was over. And so we had this make-up-break-up pattern, and at times it felt like it was sort of outside of my control. I think that's kind of what really connected you and me and, and made your experience resonate for me and made me sort of trust you in the coaching world, which was new to me in 2017. Yeah, I think that's kind of, you know, the sensation of somebody just sort of changing their mind about you a couple times in a row and feeling very much like you were always on the edge of your seat, not knowing where you stood with the person at any given time.
0: Yeah. And could you speak more on how that made you feel? Let's let's go back to unhealed, Rachel. Right. And how. Like, obviously, now we see how evolved you are, right? But if you could just speak more on what all of that bro- brought up for you. He was making up with you, breaking up with you, changing his mind a lot, using your honesty. And I'm, I'm going to remind you of all of this. You're welcome. You know, using a lot of your desire to be vulnerable and transparent with him. And he would meet you where you're at. And then, you know, two weeks later, hold it against you and then push you farther away. So there was a lot of going a lot going on. And, and I think that I want to be careful here because then it sounds like I'm contradicting well she just has this new story that he didn't pull her in and he didn't do these things to her but we also have to find that 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 balance of and that's why I think the coaching is so important is really learning how to navigate through what is a story that I'm creating in my mind that's creating me suffering and um, what is actually happening in the relationship is it safe for me to be vulnerable and honest with my partner and is the fickle behavior going to work for me long- term term, right? Really figuring out what works, what part am I playing in creating the suffering? And where do I draw a line? Where do I draw boundaries? Where do I know that I can really recognize that this isn't a relationship that's serving me, it's actually hurting me, because I'm not allowed to express what's really going on for me in a safe space, right? So if you could just speak more on that, Rach, about where you were, because I think it's so important for the heartbroken listeners right now to really understand that you were not talking like this, Two, over two years ago, right?
1: Yeah. As you kind of mentioned, I had a career in place. I live very close to my family of origin. My sister and I are very close. I have a lot of friends. And so it felt like my life was really in a good place and that I was in this relationship. And I would just want to remind your listeners that, you know, to be somebody that's heartbroken and be moving through heartbreak it doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look. You end up um, associating a heartbroken person with what you see in the movies and like on the couch and you can't get up and you can't function and you can't live your life. And I was finding that, you know, I was living my life pretty well. And then when it came to relationships, I was um, very much defining myself by how my partner saw me. And so when he would say, you know, you did this and it made me feel this way and you shouldn't have done this or your behavior was He never used the word crazy, but I know that that gets thrown in there sometimes. (laughs) Um, Like, he he would just be critical of my behavior and my actions, and I would sort of just default to, like, gosh, he must be right about me.
0: Yeah. And I also just want to say, look, again, that that's where there's a balance here, right? Like, on the one hand, we've all been in relationships where we've behaved in ways that we're not proud of, right, that we can take responsibility for and say, that wasn't cool of me. But there was some stuff and we don't need to get into nitty gritty. Obviously, I don't want to be exposing your entire story. But there were just certain times where you're like, hey, I'm feeling, you know, uncomfortable about this situation with different people in his life and things like that, where he would be like oh i'm gonna meet you where you're at and yes i hear you and then like a week later it was like flipping the switch no he didn't hear you and all the things so again it's finding that balance because i know 100 i've definitely been the crazy girl i have given girls i what is what is the expression i've i've given men like the reason to give women the the label crazy is that right yes i'm like giving them the ammo yeah ammo There. you see yeah (laughs) We're, what a pair, what a pair. Maybe this is going to be a co-hosting podcast now, right? But, like, I really think it's just so important to, to point that out that, you know, yes, you were expressing needs and he was acting like he was meeting you there and then he wasn't meeting you there. And that really did gut you. And as you so beautifully and vulnerably just shared with the listeners that you were basing what he thought of you as like the measuring stick for your worth.
1: Totally. And I think, you know, each time we would sort of run into I mean, just to give an example, like I remember there was a time where he didn't include me in a dinner with some friends of his because those friends were very close with his ex he mentioned you know, that they spent most of the evening talking about his ex-girlfriend, and he told me that the next day, and I kind of asked, like, well, what, like, what do you mean? And, you know, is there some uh, regret or unresolved feelings or anything uh, that I should be concerned about that you spent some time talking to them about? And the way that conversation unfolded in my mind was very rational and reasonable, and it was resolved, and then... A week or two later, he came back to me and said he was still feeling really unresolved about that conversation, really didn't like the way it came up. And it really made me feel like I was questioning him and doubting him and not trusting him in a way that he didn't deserve and sort of just put it on me. Right. It was like you did this to me and made made me sort of the um, the bad guy in the conversation. And I felt so like he must be right like I was like oh he must be right about this and so when he would do would do like the push and pull I think even though everything else in my life I felt very confident and decided about when he would sort of see me that way it felt very natural for me to just see myself that same way too.
0: Something that I just totally relate to is giving my worth to whoever it was that I was seeing and putting him on that pedestal and if he didn't see me in that light then I was not worthy and I was in a lot of pain and I think so many listeners can relate to that. Wait, I'm this person who has her shit together and great friends and a great family life. And I mean, actually for me at the time of my rock bottom, which you can again, always revert back to episode five, my heartbreak story and hear a little bit more about how I got to where I am at now and why I'm so passionate about this work. But I think that it's, So important to recognize that both Rachel and I have been there, and it is really all about story and it's not real. (laughs) Right. I mean, Rachel and I actually just had a coaching session before and she was thinking about something in the future. And what if it's this or what if it's that? And she was like, but either way, it doesn't matter because it can only be real in February when I actually have to deal with this situation. Like nothing is real except for the story that we create in our heads. And so with all of that, tell us, tell the audience about how much the coaching has helped you and how I'm the best thing that ever happened to you kidding just the coaching part
1: no I I mean what I would say is exactly that catching yourself right like for me I think two years ago me that first came to coaching would be like okay so when am I going to be healed right when am I going to be cured when am I not going to and you and I have talked about how we're both empaths Mm -hmm. and so I think we both respond a lot to what we think other people are thinking, what we think other people are feeling. And I came to coaching, and I think I went into every therapy session before I found coaching, really hoping that I would just one day get to this point where I would be cured of all the fear, all the anxiety, all the insecurity, all the things that brought me into a therapist's office or coaching session in the first place. And what I've really gotten from coaching is just like what you pointed out when I first started revisiting the story that I haven't told in a couple of years is that I catch myself now and I go like, Oh, he made me feel. And I'm like, Nope, he didn't make me feel shit. I made myself feel all that stuff. Right. And that's, that's like the really empowering part of this is going, is being able to observe anything that you're experiencing emotionally and go, this is a creation of my mind and that only And you can decide from there, knowing that your thoughts are 100% in your own control, what you want to do and and which thoughts you want to allow and which thoughts you want to consciously work on so that you can create something better in your life. And so I love coaching because it's about right now. It's not about what's going to happen in you know, another year, it's not about what happened 20 years ago, it's about what's happening right here and right now, and staying focused on choosing a better experience for yourself every day, and um, what's better than that, you know?
0: (laughs) I love it. And I will add that there are clients who come to me who are very future focused. If there's clients, you know, who want I mean, Rachel will get to it is in a wonderful, healthy relationship with an amazing guy. She totally has Claire's stamp of approval, which I know she really needed that. (laughs) Um, But that, yeah, this is a really good space for Rachel, like, I mean, I I don't think I would be giving away too much that one of Rachel's biggest lessons, which Rachel will be talking about on her own coaching journey, for sure, is how I have really been been beating into her head that her journey is to just be and to be present, whereas some people are a little bit too comfortable in the being. And my work with them is about, well, if you want to create this result, how are you going to think, feel and behave to get there. So that's really what Rachel's focus is right now. But there are so many of you who are listening who want to create more. And it's not that Rachel doesn't have future goals. Obviously, she's creating a life coaching business, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But that yes, it is so much about how can I just enjoy the now while also embracing like you had just said, Rach, you know, about I get to choose what thoughts I want to feel, right? But that we also get to choose to feel like we're in pain with our thinking that pain isn't a bad thing. It's not comfortable, right? But sometimes, you know, as part of my coaching package, what I offer is that you can reach out in between sessions if you're triggered or you're moving through something or you're thrown a different curveball. And sometimes Rachel will reach out and I'll say, yeah, it sounds to me like you're really married to that negative thought and you just got to be with it, right? Can you just speak more on that, Rach?
1: Totally. And that was such a huge part of what I remember so vividly about going through my um, my really tough breakup in 2017, and feeling the experience of just like being really sad, wanting to give in to just like tears and emotion, you know, not for a, a super long period of time, but at least for the first month after the breakup, and and just really reminding myself that that was okay, because I think as you've definitely, I think, mentioned in previous episodes of your amazing podcast, that like. <laughs> We're raised to be like, Oh my God, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Stop crying. Like, how can I make you feel better? And that's so instinctive that like, as soon as we start to well up, as soon as we start to cry, if we're in our office, if we're in our car, if we're in a restaurant and a song comes on or whatever, we're so programmed to just be like, Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel sad. I need to just get over this. I need to just get better. And so really just allowing myself to feel the pain, which I think was really where we started together when we first started coaching was just like, you were the first person that I'd ever talked to about an emotional issue like that, that approached me in a way that felt so like you were just allowing for the pain and like you wanted me to allow for the pain. And I remember just getting to work and getting there on time and making food for myself and getting my dog walked and all these little things that I got through each day being like, fuck. Yeah. Like I got through that day and I just managed my life. And even though I was in the thick of this pain, once you allow it and just let it sort of sit there and be with you it kind of passes faster than when you're pushing against it.
0: It's so so... counterintuitive and it's like people don't, we were not taught just to your point. It's like here's some candy feel better and no, actually if you cry it out and let the emotions run through you it will actually pass. I mean so many healers are talking about this and my favorite Pema Chodron in her book When Things Fall Apart it's all about leaning into the pain. Another book that an old friend of mine told me about when I was initially in pain and she was like, no, instead of trying to get rid of it, you should lean into it. And I was like, hell no, I do not want to lean into pain. Pain Pain is bad. No, pain is an inevitable experience of being a human.
1: Yeah. And I remember sitting in my office um, at the time I was working in Baltimore and just like welling up and feeling like for hours I was like fighting the tears back. And then finally I was like, screw it. And I just got up and went to the bathroom. I was like, I'm just going to go into a stall and just cry. And I went into the stall and cried. And it was like, I only cried for like a minute or two. Got myself together, went back to my desk. And then it was like, I got through my day. But like sometimes just like giving into it and letting it all flow out, it takes a lot less time than like the hours that I was sitting there being like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You know, just let it out.
0: Fucking love it. (laughs) Mic drop. Love it. (laughs) So So, yeah,
1: cry it out, ladies. It's okay. And gents, whoever, whoever's
0: listening. I think there's like three, but we love you, dudes. We love you. Dude, cry it out. (laughs) So, Rach, can you um, talk about when you've wanted to quit coaching, hated me, wanted to fight me? Give them the dirt. Because we've been working together for over two years, guys, and if you think that she's never been triggered you are wrong if you think she doesn't want to push back on me you are wrong and also I want to point out which I will add to I've learned so much as a coach and I've grown so much as a coach because of Rachel because I've made mistakes too because she's saying oh in case you guys didn't catch that. But it's true, she's she's made me a better coach. Even though I'm not afraid to say something that would trigger a client, I also know that I haven't always coached perfectly. And especially if I've been working with someone for over two years, I don't think any coach can sustain that. So I have learned a lot about communicating more effectively and all those things. And look, these incidents have been few and far between, hence why we have spent so much time together. But that I want you guys to know the good, the bad, and the ugly because... I have never sold coaching as always super fun and cathartic and freeing. It's fucking hard to retrain your brain to think differently because your brain is habitual, right? Nobody has fun losing weight, but they know what they wanna create at the end of the tunnel. And I think coaching becomes a very gray area because a lot of people don't believe if they change their brains, they'll create the results that they want. And what I also always share is that life is 50-50. So Rachel still very much experiences negative emotion. She experiences just as much negative emotion She just knows how to handle it differently and breathe through it. And her life has grown and she's created this amazing relationship. And now she's expanding into her own coaching business and all the things and her friendships. And so much has shifted for her in so many different ways. So I keep talking. But you if you can speak to that, Rach.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, so I think it's funny. I've gotten mad at you. Um,
0: <laughs> I love just hearing you say it. I mean,
1: but it feels so good, right? And I think I would encourage listeners to um, who are resistant to any of the concepts about changing your thoughts in order to change your feelings and your results that, like, it may sound shitty at first. It may sound like you're sort of getting... I mean, at least for me, like, I was like, are you blaming me for my shitty life? <laughs> like, is this all my fault? <laughs> And the thing is, like, no, no one's blaming you, but like, you're not seeking out a coach if you're not seeking out something different from what your friends and your family have been giving you. And I would just ask any client who, at first, is like, I'm not so sure about this coaching stuff. It sounds like you're kind of putting it all back on me to really open their minds to, like, why were you looking for a coach in the first place? Because most people, uh, myself definitely included, I think the first time I got mad at you to get back to your question was when. I felt like, you know, all of my friends agreed with me that, like, the situation that I was in was really screwed up. And, like, all of my friends agreed with me that I wasn't doing anything wrong. And so to have you kind of continue to hold the space for me while saying, this is all thought drama, you know, and this is all optional. And the specific situation that I remember being in was when I finally got myself back out there after that breakup and I was dating again I started dating a guy who was going through a divorce, really nice guy, totally done with the marriage, but they were just separated at the time, not divorced. And there were two kids and the relationship with he and his ex was still very, um, tense and stressed in a, in a couple different ways, as I think is pretty normal when a separation is happening or unfolding. And the, um, you know, this very nice guy's ex-wife was just, in my opinion, interjecting a lot into the relationship, and ultimately the relationship ended for other reasons. But I sought out your support in off hours, which is so amazing that you do that. And and I feel like you really just asked me to look at what I was contributing to the thought drama, and I was like, I am not contributing the drama; they are
0: the drama. I am just perfect. <laughs> I was perfect. <laughs> I
1: didn't do anything wrong. And the reality is, I mean, to anybody else, I don't think I did anything that upset them, but I was upsetting myself. And I was really making my experience so much more difficult because I was letting my mind get wrapped up in what I thought things should be like and how I thought people should behave and in how I, you know, wanted to manage all of these external things. Like I wanted all of these other people to behave differently and try as I might to persuade you, Claire, that all of these other people should act differently. You kept bringing me back to the only person that should be doing anything differently is you. And it doesn't start with your actions. It starts with your thoughts. And so how can you think differently so that this circumstance, which is totally neutral, doesn't cause you so many feelings of discomfort. And that was really challenging for me to hear in that moment.
0: Totally. And I think where I really could have taken more responsibility for that is that I think as I was growing as a coach, I was getting more clear about that myself. And because Rachel had been working with me from the beginning, I don't I think this was like I was discovering even like the work that much deeper. So I think like that was definitely a point where you were like, wait what like you would normally support me in this so I think and I don't think I effectively I think that was when I because I had initially gotten my coach training with Martha Beck and then I really started studying Brooke Castillo's work and now Rachel is training with Brooke Castillo and I really do feel like I have a blend of so many different styles of coaching and ways of coaching I still use some of the Martha Beck stuff and uh, now I work with one of Brooke's master coaches Stacey. C. Bayman, as well as Karen Gillen. And so, uh, blending from all of their different ways. So, for sure, that was a great learning lesson for me of just like, oh, I'm learning how to do this. And now I'm teaching Rachel. But I think it was a big jump. I think I had been probably more soft up until I started transitioning into that. And I was like, nope, it's this. And you were like, what?
1: I think that's totally true. But I also think, and I would just say one thing in response to that, which is that it's so interesting that you as the coach look back on it and see it that way and see your own growth. Because, and I'm reminded of this as I'm getting certified now, our teachers always tell us, you know, your clients have no idea how freaked out you are in your own mind. So just keep going, keep coaching from authenticity, keep loving your client and keep showing up. And as long as you're showing up, you know, from a place of unconditional love and authenticity, it will all be okay. And it's so interesting because as your client, then you were going through all of those stages and transitioning yourself as a coach. And I was sitting there just thinking like, no, she knows exactly what she's doing. She's just beating the hell out of me. <laughs> it's I so had no- (laughs) But it's so awesome that, like, the different perspectives. And and I think you've said to me a couple of times that, like, you know, I came to you really heartbroken. I came to you really in the thick of my pain. And I was, I mean, like I said, I was in the first relationship of my life where I'd been so prized and really let down by someone's behavior. And so you were very comforting and not um, without, you know, overly empathizing to the point where you were buying into my story. But you were still incredibly... Like soft, I don't know if that's the word I want to use but that's the one that's coming up and just like very empathetic and as I think I bounced back from that and I got more familiar with coaching I think you got tougher on me and you continue to get tougher over the years
0: I'm so um, mean to Rachel I tell Rachel I'm the toughest on her in the best way
1: <laughs> but it's so good it's the way you would want a personal trainer to be tough on you right it's like you're not going to build muscle and you're not going to get stronger if the person that is who you're paying to coach you and I pay Claire a a chunk of change because she's well worth it. But I mean, to pay somebody for, to really kick your ass and that's, that's how you get stronger. It's how you get tougher. And so I wouldn't change anything about it.
0: Well, Thank you for saying it. And when I say I'm mean, you guys take it with a grain of salt. Yes, I'm a lot of tough love, but there's no shaming for any feeling that you have, any thought that you have, any experience that you're going through. I don't allow you to self shame. I certainly don't encourage shaming. And I think Rachel brings up a great point that sometimes it can feel like a coach is shaming you because they're just like, especially, I mean, I, my two coaches, uh, obviously, you know, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I have three, but my nutrition coach it's a little bit of a different situation, but my personal coach and my business coach, they just like tell it as it is. And it's like, (gasps) oh, but because I'm a coach, I've been doing this work for so long. I don't take it personally because I've done my research and I've hired them because I think they are the best fit for me. And I hire them to be the ones to tell me the shit that I do not want to hear and to show me how I can shift my mind so that I can create what I want to create. So you mentioned that um, I might Uh, charge a chunk of change, I would love for you to speak on not how much I charge because I don't offer that information just to anybody. But guys, this podcast is for free. So I get lots of people reaching out asking me for relationship advice. I actually pay for this podcast to be produced so that you guys can have this free content. So for any of you right now who are thinking, oh, it's so unfair, she's so expensive, or whatever, you can totally take these tools. I mean, there are just so many episodes where I literally show you my process, talk about clients' processes. I've introduced you to Brooke Castillo's model. I have the link to her podcast. You can go to the Life Coach School, listen to Brooke Castillo's podcast. She has so many different podcasts on how you can move through so much. Much, and it's always stemming back to how your thoughts create your results. So that's what this is for. And don't worry, I have ideas so that I can get my work out to the masses. Hopefully sooner than later, I have lots of ideas and things in the works because I really want it to be my mission to get this work out to the masses because it is so life-changing. But my one-on-one services are A pretty penny, but again, I think it all depends on thoughts because some people, I tell them my price, and they're like, yes, great, where do I sign? And other people are like, whoa, I can't afford that. And I know... That I've been in that position where I'm like, oh, I can't afford coaching. And then I know for me how it what shifted for me. But also, if your thoughts create your results and your result is I don't have the money to pay for coaching, I, I realized that, well, if I learn how to shift my thoughts so that I can create more money, then I can – pay for coaching, right? So I figured out my way, I am not here to tell people that they should just figure it out. I'm not here to tell them the how whenever I coach anyone on a consultation, I just show them their minds. And they're like, I'm all in, I will do anything. And I'm like, okay, I'm this much. And they say, Oh, no, 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 I can't, you know, do that. Which again, we are not shaming anybody who is not willing to pay for coaching or to figure out a way or I know some of you have said, I would, I'm, I'm coming back to you, I'm going to figure this out and I'm coming back to you and I think that that's a beautiful thing and I've definitely been in that position where I'm like I don't know how to do this and I know for me it just came to a point that I, I can't like for me coaching is my oxygen as I've shared with a lot of you I'm 38 years old and I was living with a roommate for my, my, all of my time here in LA so that I could make these investments into my brain into my training and as a result so much has shifted for me not obviously just financially but just living my best life as gasp a single woman and having a great fucking time while always still being in a space of knowing that I want to create more and I want to expand more and grow more so yes I know you guys all heard at the beginning of this episode well she's a lawyer so she can afford it but reach um I'd love you to speak on that
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started coaching with you, I was seeing a therapist who took my insurance. (laughs) So, and, and, and I made the choice to walk away from her. Uh, To be fair, she did tell me that I should look through my boyfriend's phone. So that seemed like questionable advice (laughs) to me. (laughs) I forgot she told
0: you to do that.
1: So, yeah, so I had a little bit of like a what the hell are you talking about, lady? And so I did part ways with her then, but I chose to pay for your services and you didn't accept insurance, um, as I think no life coaches do.
0: Sorry, guys, Um, I still don't.
1: It's totally fair. Um, (laughs) But I guess for me, it felt like, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I was a government lawyer. I started off as a prosecutor making less than a Starbucks barista makes. So I was not one of those big law, high salary, six-figure lawyers straight out of law school. I'm not even close. And I would just say that uh, the price of coaching to me is worth just about as much as anything. Just about as much as the roof over your head, the mode of transportation to get you to your job the ability to pay for medical expenses, like it's right up there. I prioritized coaching with you and I say with you cause you're the only person I coached with, but I've also prioritized getting my certification, which I consider to be um, a, a sort of related area um, because I definitely coach myself a ton in getting my certification. Um, those were serious financial investments. And to me, they were more important than buying a house. It was more important to me than buying a car I, I lease my car, but certainly I, one could argue the better financial choice would be to buy a car. I chose to do things a little bit differently because to me, I felt like if I wasn't happy in the head that I occupy every day, 24-7, seven days a week, whether I want to or not, they always say like, wherever you go, there you are. And I felt like if I wasn't happy where I was in my own mind, nothing else really matters. The clothes you wear, the weddings you go to, the hair color, I don't know, I don't color my hair, but, like, whatever that is called, <laughs> the cost <laughs> of these things are just not that valuable when it's all part of a person who's just feeling, like, incomplete and unable to really take care of yourself. And so, for me, the, the expense that is an in inherent part of coaching um, is totally worth it because it's just a way to experience life from a place of so much more power, so much more peace.
0: I couldn't put a price on that. Couldn't put a price on it, but I still (laughs) do put a price on it. Could you talk about, I don't even know this, but I I think you've mentioned a couple of things. Like where have you made sacrifices so that you could afford coaching, Rach?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that jumps out is like, I grew up going to Europe every summer. Uh, My dad's family is in France and Spain and Travel is the thing that probably jumps out of me. That was where I had to cut corners. Honestly, I've had to be careful with, like, the size apartment that I live in. Like, I, I live in Washington, D.C., which is an expensive city for sure. But, you know, I live in a nice apartment, but it's not the biggest apartment that I could be living in at 37 years old. <laughs> um, so I definitely made compromises in housing. I've made compromises in shopping. I mean, I love – I grew up in New York City. I'm a New York City girl. I love style and fashion, and I love – buying clothes, and um, and I've definitely made some compromises there. I mean, even little things, like I was realizing that I was getting a gel manicure every two weeks, and I was like, maybe this is something I don't need to do every two weeks. Maybe I can just do this once a month. Like, little things like that, they add up. And I think it's really easy to look at something like coaching, especially when you're presented with like you offer packages for six months in a year. I doubled down because that's where I was in my life. And I committed to a year with you last
0: August. And... I no longer offer the year, just so everybody knows. I just missed out. I know. <laughs> it was because of annoying people like Rachel, who I just couldn't <laughs> put up with. No, I just think that there's something to be said. My two coaches, they only offer six months. And I think it's really good to reevaluate. And as Rachel and I like to call it, renew our vows.
1: Totally. Because you're stuck with me no matter how long your packages are. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's really easy to look at a a price like that and go like, oh my God, I can't afford that.
0: The thought, the automatic thought is I can't afford it. So when you think that, you feel discouraged and probably pissed off the nerve of this girl some I, I can tell when people say that like what right like are, are you giving me diamonds with your coaching right? right and then the action is to say no and then the result is you keep thinking the same way which yields you the same result of the less than adequate salary the shitty men that you're attracting and um all constantly feeling like your life just isn't good enough and there should be more, but you you're just at such a loss. And I think that the putting your money where your mouth is, like I just had a friend say to me the other day, like, I would love to do that coaching program you're doing, but I'm afraid I would pay the money and then I wouldn't do the thing. Right. It's just like that, that if you pay the money that I'm charging for majority of people, because again, money is all relative and your thoughts about the price are going to be different depending on the person. But I want to charge a price that people are a little bit uncomfortable with so that they do not fuck around.
1: Yeah. And I will say that's been very true for me. It's like, it's not just in the sessions. It's not just showing up week to week and making sure that I'm available and and in a quiet place and able to really focus on our call. But it's like, it's the daily work that um, you have challenged me to do. And you were the first person before I even started listening to Brooke Castillo's podcast who encouraged me to really download my thoughts and look at them on a daily basis. And when you're paying a, a significant amount of money that is of importance to you, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show up and like really commit to this. And I'm going to live in the integrity of what I've just paid for because committed only is right. It's, it's just like a, an emotional and a financial investment. And so to not really show up and give it your all is a waste of your energy your emotion and your money. And so I think it's really a useful brain exercise to be not just emotionally invested because like, I mean, you referred me to Brooke's podcast and I was listening to that. It's free content as well. So there was certainly a lot that I could get out of just listening to her every morning. She has hundreds of podcast episodes. You can get a lot from that, but it's totally different now that I'm Paying to get certified and certification is not something that's required for life coaches, right? I could listen to her podcast for as long as I want and just decide, okay, I'm a, I'm a life coach today. And I'm going to just decide and hold myself out there and let clients hire me if they choose to. And that's totally allowed. But I wanted something more. And I felt like what came with the investment is that feeling of like, I'm really, really putting my all into this. And that's exactly how I felt about coaching with you. I just felt like, Yeah, it was an expense, but it was an expense that I was excited about paying. And we find the money for the things that we feel like we need. We find the money for the car. We find the money to, you know, fly out to wherever to be in the friend's
0: wedding. And so, well, exactly. I, you know, I love the, the friend's wedding reference because Mm -hmm. I mean, how many of us have been bridesmaids and you're like, I want to be a bridesmaid. Oh my God. The dress costs $400. It's ugly. And you're never going to wear it again. And then the engagement party plus the engagement gift, plus the bridal shower, plus the bridal gift. And then you're paying for the bridal shower, plus the bachelorette weekend, plus the destination wedding, plus the wedding present all the things, right? And that could like take you up to 5K. And then like, not that I would ever argue with anybody. I'm not saying, well, do you pay for this? And then you can pay for that, right? But I just want to show people where they automatically say they don't have the money for coaching, but they'll figure out a way to pay for all this bullshit because society tells us it's the right thing to do. Instead of saying like, I I remember I was a bridesmaid in a wedding and I said, thank you so much, but like I'm on the opposite coast and I I was broke as a joke, acting and all the things. And I just said, I I would be honored to stand in your wedding, but I will not be able to make it to any of the events across the country. And so if you're okay with that, right, like having just the integrity with my own self and with the bride and my finances to just say, like, this is what I can and and cannot do. Right. And so and then people will say, well, I have to. She's my best friend. You don't have to do anything. But also, what if you had to get coaching in order to expand your life and make it the best life possible. And best life doesn't mean perfect life. We still experience negative emotion. I mean, Rachel had negative emotion last week that we managed through. And today she's like, oh my gosh, I have all these ahas, right? So it's like, and, and same with me, with my coach, I had a lot of negative emotion in my last coaching session that I just needed to spew off of my chest, right? So this isn't about it going away. It's about a safe space and moving through it consciously. And um, knowing that, again, we continue to create our own suffering based on our thinking but just slowing the brain down to just automatically write off coaching as if no it's an impossibility or someone said it's a luxury and like yeah I see it as a luxury but also like a total necessity
1: totally agree yeah and I think it just comes back to where are your priorities you know and I think when we are in that mindset of seeing ourselves through the behavior, the actions, the what we think the thoughts and feelings are of other people about us, we're like, oh my God, I could never say no to that wedding, right? I could never say no to like, you know, participating in this event or that event, or I could never say no to visiting family across the country or in Spain or France or whatever the case may be. And the reason in part that you could never say no is because you've spent the majority of your life looking at yourself through what you think the eyes are of somebody else. And so as soon as you decide what I think, what I do, and where I'm coming from on my daily basis and how I'm behaving is the most important thing to me, that's when everything starts to shift for the better. Because then you start to realize your mind is what controls your experience, always, always.
0: One hundred percent. And I would love to just add for anybody out there right now, especially moms who are like, well, I couldn't say no to that person or like any mom guilt. Right. Like that's selfish. Right. I know so many people struggle with this. Well, me putting myself first is selfish. And I. I see it the total opposite way. And maybe it's easy for me to say or you to say, Rach, because even though Rachel's in this amazing relationship, but she is not a mom yet. No pressure, Matt. (laughs) Uh, He got a shout out. He got a shout out. But right that it's like so easy. But I actually think that the more I started to put myself first, I'm able to give so much more from a full cup. And I say that as coaching almost 20 clients a week but I have, I'm super boundaried and I always have more to learn on boundaries. Just when I think I'm super boundaried, I I have more, but that so many people would say, oh, well, that's selfish. But I think like, I think the best thing a mom can do is put herself first and carve out the time. Obviously children come first a majority of the time, but when we start just taking the best care of ourselves and saying no to the showers or whatever. And also, you said, you know, really what it comes down to is priorities. If anyone's listening right now and is saying, no, I would much rather be able to show up for my best friend's wedding and do all the things for her than pay for coaching. More power to you. I'm not here to say what's right or wrong, good or bad, but I just... My job as a coach is to show you guys your minds and just don't tell yourself the lie. I can't afford coaching. No, I actually choose to put my money elsewhere and I will take responsibility for the results that I have created with my thinking. That's what it comes down to. I'm not here to say who's right, wrong, good or bad, but also don't lie to yourself and say you can't because I am 100 percent here to tell you, and Rachel is too, anything you want to create. like I was just interviewed yesterday for um, someone else's coaching site. And um, she said, what is the thing you love most about being a life coach? And I said, it makes me feel like I'm the closest thing to a magical sorceress. I get to just like create what I want and live my best life. So yeah, like I will figure out always how I can pay for coaching because it is my priority. And I am totally okay with saying to a friend... I can't go to your destination wedding and still be putting thousands of dollars into my coaching because I have to come first because I'm going to be with me the rest of my life. And I'm also totally okay with any of you out there or any loved one in my life thinking it's selfish because those are their thoughts about me and those thoughts are just their thoughts. But I know where it's really coming from. And I also have for my own Principles, and um, I guess about the kind of relationships that I want to be in is that not only do I want to be putting myself first and serving me and filling my own cup first, I really want my loved ones to do the same. I really want them to choose coaching for them over coming to my amazing destination wedding. I just have to figure out my husband, but it's fine. Totally,
1: yeah. And I think um, one thing that you really drove home for me was you know when things are selfish versus when things are really taking care of yourself first and I think those are two different things at least the traditional way that we grew up thinking about selfishness right like when your intention is pure and you're just genuinely looking out for yourself why we've all been conditioned to think there's something wrong with looking out for yourself before other people I don't know I genuinely don't know where that comes from. Because I think when your intentions are pure and you're just there to take care of yourself first, that comes from such a pure and honest and, and full-hearted place. When your intentions are to be hurtful to another person by pushing yourself up at their expense, that's selfishness, right? And that's behavior we can all agree is pretty shitty. But like that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about saying, like, look, I'm so happy for you that you're getting married. I wish you all the best. I can't make it to this part of the wedding, the bachelorette, whatever the things that you were invited to, that you said you couldn't make it to. You're not saying like something terrible or that you're not going to go, or you're not turning it down to be spiteful. You're just saying like, this isn't working for me because I've got to take care of me.
0: Amen. I love that. So wrapping up, uh, before I let you go, I want to just let the world know about Rachel Elizabeth Cole coaching. Maybe the Elizabeth part isn't in it, but I just want it to be super formal because I'm a proud mama. So tell people what is the niche that you are focusing on right now? You're currently offering three month packages and um, just share with the world your magic.
1: Well, as you have said to me a handful of times, when you want to be a coach and you are coming to coaching from the space of being a client first, I really wanted to honor my niche from where I came to this from and sort of really look at what my experience was and as I mentioned at the top of this interview (laughs) I really felt like my whole life made sense except dating and relationships just felt like this one space that was really challenging for me and so my calling I genuinely feel that way about it is to support Women who are, you know, working jobs that they're basically happy with and feeling very full in their friendships and their familial relationships, their families of origin, but feel like they sort of have it all, but their relationship is not exactly what they've always wanted it to be. And how can we get them there? How can we really work on feeling the full package in every area of life, particularly in the relationship context, so that we can get my clients what they want what they deserve and what they're really excited about so that's my niche is really working with highly energetic motivated um, focused women and men <laughs> who might be looking for um the relationship that they've always wanted to sort of complete their their life
0: i love it and just tell people how they can find you
1: sure so my site is rachelcolecoaching.com
0: and we will um, put I- that in the show notes
1: Thank you. And my last name is spelled C O L L. It should be pronounced Call, but it's Cole. So you know, we're all a little bit quirky sometimes.
0: It's cool. <laughs> it's Cole. It's cool. Just call me Cole. Last so, uh, thing, which is probably one of the most important questions that I'm sure every listener wants to hear about, is your amazing relationship. So I would actually, if you have a couple of more minutes, Rach. Yeah. I would love for you to tell people about how you are different in the relationship. Obviously, I'm not saying tell everyone your drama, but like you've been together for 9 months, so I mean, it's not like, oh, this is just effortless, right? So, just talk about the amazing relationship that you have created with your thoughts. You're welcome and not you're welcome like I did it, but just you're welcome to yourself. <laughs> And and, uh, yeah, if you could just speak on who you are, how you show up now and what is so amazing and different about this relationship. And would it be safe to say that every heartache and pain that you've been through, because it wasn't just the first relationship that you came to me upset about, like you had some upsets with a few men before Matt came into your life.
1: Totally. I think it all kind of comes back to what we started talking about, which is that there's no there there, like at no point in time do I expect to never feel uncomfortable, never feel relationship discomfort or doubt or anything that's unpleasant, right? I'm I'm prepared to experience those feelings and still think those thoughts. But I think what's different for me in this relationship that I I do feel really grateful for and I feel so um, happy and fulfilled and like the work has really gotten me somewhere great is that I allow my thoughts. I'm patient with myself. I know that the brain works really quickly, mine in particular. Like, I think the average human brain has 65,000 thoughts, and I'm pretty sure I average 100,000 on a daily basis. (laughs) I would
0: agree with that, Rach. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's really, it's a lot. It's a lot in my head. But I own that and I stay with it and I allow it in a way that I didn't used to in a way that I used to also think it make it the business of my partner a lot more than I do
0: now. So could you, sorry, could you be, if you're okay with it, could you be a little bit more specific? Like what are the hard things that come up from you for you that might bleed from past relationships that you have to manage your mind around?
1: Totally. So I think for me, it was always not really taking someone at their word and having a couple of experiences, the relationship that brought me to you for the first time in particular, where somebody would say something and very clearly mean something else or walk it back or change their mind or do something inconsistent, act in a way that didn't match up with what they were saying to me. And so I, with my own thoughts, decided that it was um, logical to then doubt things that people would say to me directly and ask for secret meaning or ask for subtext or ask for, you know, some other explanation that wasn't necessary. And so I think really resisting the urge to um, doubt somebody's word is probably the, um, the thing that has been most important in this relationship. I would also say that you know, just general distrust for relationships overall and thinking that like nothing ever works out, right? Because I look at my past and I go, well, none of that shit worked out. So why would this be any different? And I think we're so conditioned, whether we realize it or not, to just look to our past for what our future is going to look like. And as long as we keep doing that, the future will be what we're thinking about right now. And if what we're thinking about right now is the past, it will repeat,
0: Oh, so, so good. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, I learned it from you, girl.
0: Well, uh, and also, could I, you I, just speak on because I know this and I get to cheat because I kind of know you pretty well. Yeah. Talk about the partner that you're really proud that you proud to have become because the way you show up in this relationship is amazing and it's vulnerable and it's scary, but you really have like Stepped out of your comfort zone and like spoken your truth and all of those things and um, it's amazing to watch it is not fun and I think again when we circle back to that initial relationship that initial breakup it wasn't okay for you to have insecurities and feelings or ask for what you need and you do that here and just because your partner is amazing and he meets you where you're at like That it's not just like, yeah, you're a coach now and you've been doing this work with me for over two years, right? It's sort of reiterating the same thing that we've been talking about, but just that it's so rewarding, but it hasn't been easy for you.
1: Totally. I think the key really, and this is such a cliched response, but I really do think it comes down to vulnerability and just, and really owning that and not misunderstanding what that means. Because I think a lot of people think vulnerability is like, you know, you're losing your shit, crying, screaming, and you're like, I'm just being vulnerable. But it's like, that's not what it
0: is, right? <laughs> oh, shit, being it's vulnerable. not? Is that what I've been doing wrong? <laughs> oh, okay.
1: But being vulnerable is about, like, keeping your shit together and sitting down and having a conversation with someone where you really admit to the things that you're scared of. And you're not doing it from a place of fear and you're not doing it from a place where you're reacting with anger because it is really scary. But, like, owning the fact that it's scary and doing it anyway in a way that is calm in a way that is sane in a way that is calibrated and appropriate for like what you guys are actually talking about not a big reaction to the way things have gone in the past or the way you're imagining things are going to go in the future but really staying present and owning the things that scare you and talking to your partner from a place of true vulnerability and honesty instead of a place that is really reactive to fear Um, And I think that was a huge challenge for me, because in the past, I would sort of wait until I felt like whatever I was afraid of reached its boiling point, and I would get really upset. And now I think it is a challenge to really be vulnerable and show up, but do so from a place that isn't reactive and is instead just totally authentic and honest and and that is scary but so worth it
0: and you're I think I said at the beginning of the question but it was such a long-winded question just like how proud you are of yourself which is so important right even though it's uncomfortable
1: because I think when you show up in a way that feels really good to you you can then sort of not that we want to think about the end because we hope that there is no end to the relationship that works out But you can really sort of, like, going back to the relationship that first brought me to you, look back and not go, like, oh, shit, did I do that? And is he right about me? Like, there's no second guessing yourself. You're kind of like, you know what? No matter what happens, like, I'm really proud of how I showed up here. And that's, like you said, you're the one that's stuck with you for the rest of your life. And so as long as that part feels like it's in your integrity, then you got to believe that everything else will work out the way it's supposed to.
0: What a perfect way to wrap a perfect podcast episode. I fucking love the shit out of you. I am so proud of you. And I just can't wait to see where this work takes you. I can't wait to see where your coaching business goes. I just feel like the luckiest coach to have you. I'm totally getting emotional. Um, Ah. I'm just so proud of you and you just continue to blow me away and you're just so much fun to work with too we like laugh we cry uh, we have heated talks and we just work through all of it and you're just an absolute dream and I think any client would be lucky to work with you so I think that's it everybody thank you so much for tuning in again we will put Rachel's contact info in the show notes I cannot thank you enough Rach for being here and for all the trial and error with the technology because we know that that's not my forte so
1: thank you of course thank you for having me and I cannot say enough amazing things about you as a coach so if you guys are listening you would be very lucky to work with Claire I highly recommend her having done so myself for two years so keep doing what you're doing and I love that you're sharing so much with everybody so that even people across the world can benefit from all of your wisdom the way I have so thank you my love
0: oh thank you we're just having a love fest over here (laughs) one more thing that I have to ask I meant to say this before was the pain that you felt in that first relationship over two years ago worth going through for where you are today
1: oh 100% if you guys have the Uh, energy to check out my website and read my blog. I love me some writing and I actually I haven't felt the need to do this. I have not reached out to him to thank him but it doesn't come from a place that sounds like a total smartass. I really am grateful for him and grateful for the experience of that relationship because it's gotten me here and I think you guys aren't necessarily aware of the blessings that like the shit in your life can bring when you really seek out an option to heal your mind that works for you. So Yeah,
0: I mean I would... basically if like you guys have an experience dating a narcissistic sociopath, I feel really sorry for you.
1: <laughs> it's a winning experience overall. <laughs> it brings you some some gold. Some gold in your life.
0: Well thank you so much again, Rach. So good to have you on here. My loves, thank you all for listening. If you have any questions about this conversation, more clarity on coaching, you can reach me at the contact info I talk about at the end of the show. So much love. Until next time, my loves. Bye. Hey, love. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, Go to com forward slash work dash with dash me and apply for my six-month one-on-one coaching program where we'll not only heal your heart, but take your entire life to the next level. I can't wait to read your application.